Open your Bible tonight to 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4. I'm preaching part 2 of faith in famine. Part 2 in faith in famine. So 2 Kings chapter 4. Now let me set the stage here. You remember last week I said there was two segments to this passage. If you begin reading in verse 38 and go to 44, we have a connected story here. There's two segments. Number one was protection. We talked about that last week. Tonight, we're going to talk about provision. Provision. We're going to see how God provides for his people. There's also Two thoughts that you've got to keep in your mind, and even though I may not apply it, I hope you will apply it somewhere in your life, that there is spiritual famines as well as physical famines. The Bible says that there will be a famine of hearing the Word of God in the end times, and I believe that famine is on us right now. So, there's also physical famine. We've all seen it to where uh, people die of hunger and children are suffering and don't have meals in some parts of our world. So the word dearth that's mentioned here just simply means a famine. And notice that God uses human hands to meet our needs. Just listen, listen for that as we preach tonight how God uses human hands to meet our needs in time of famine. God just does that. He, he wants to use his people. Now, if we had a parallel verse to this verse, what would you think? I don't know about you, but Philippians 4.19 comes to my mind. Remember? Remember what it is? But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory of Christ Jesus. So I believe that this is a passage that would connect that. I also think it's connected with the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 7,000. You, you have New Testament uh, as it's illustrated what happened in the Old Testament. It's also happening in the New Testament. So God did it in the Old Testament. He also did it in the New Testament. So if God will provide for them there, he's going to provide for us here. So let's look tonight as we look at God's provision in this family. We looked last week at, at that protection, and I thank God for his divine protection. I hope you do. Um, but tonight we're going to look at some things. And before we close last week, we were talking about how that God, or how that the, God had a school of prophets there, the preacher kind of was a, um, he would move from place to place and uh, he would go to his, we know of four places to where there were schools of prophets. And so that's where he had gone. He goes and teaches these, young, these men, probably had, they probably had other jobs, but he goes and teaches them. Maybe it was a very inconvenient thing for them. Uh, maybe they had to do it late at night, and maybe early in the morning. We don't know. Maybe it was a full-time school to where they just departed and went and stayed there until God had sent them out on their mission. And so uh, one guy, they, 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 the famine got in the land. They didn't have anything to eat. 
And so they was putting on pottage, which basically is lentil soup. And Brother Steve loves that stuff. He likes some old red, red, red beans and rice. Ooh, goodness, great stuff. But he eats them things by the bucket fools. I'm telling you, he likes it. So uh, he, this was like pottage, no rice, but lentils, okay? Got the beans. So uh, he, he had, this, uh, this guy gets this idea. He said, I'm going to go out. I'm going to be the big dude here. I'm going to load this baby down to where it's got more than just bean soup in it. It, it, it's going, it's going to have a little flavor to it. It's going to have a little kick to it. And so he goes out and he finds gourds galore. Now he ought to have known in the midst of a famine that if they had been good, somebody would have already gotten them. Right? But no, not this guy. He gets them and he gets lap full of them. And so I say that for this as we move on. There have been some big things happen where somebody had lapfuls of stuff, but it wasn't God's stuff. There's churches that's full. Their laps are full, but their hearts are empty. Y'all with me tonight? You see, in their pots is death. Big ministries are built on wrong doctrine and hyped up excitement. Only to be death in the pot. We've seen it over the years. I'm old enough now to be able to uh, see it. And, and I could recall several of them. I won't do that tonight. But you say, well, people get saved in some of those things. They may do it. I mean, if a donkey preaches, they get saved. I guess, you know, if a donkey can preach, the rooster can crow, and God have a message, I'm sure people can get saved even under a false ministry. But the truth of the matter is, we don't want to have our lap full of something that's death. So here's where we are tonight. As they sat there needing some help, uh, we, and I know tonight I can't stop the, spirit, the, the spiritual famine that I'm seeing, and you ought to be seeing, but maybe we can salvage some. Maybe we can salvage some that don't eat of the poison pottage. And so tonight, we're going to see how God can protect you so you won't have to eat of the poison pottage. So in times of spiritual contamination and famine, we, got, we need to be protected and with wild gourds. You say, well... You know, I know some churches that, man, they're great big churches. They're really good churches because they're great big. Just because they got their laps full does not mean they're good. Now, hopefully there are some that has their laps full that's good. It's not bad gourds, but many are. So, I hope tonight as you look at the provisions of the prophets, you'll uh, take some of these spiritual things that I've told you and, and aim it at your life. As we look in verse number 42 tonight, that's where we're going to start. We're going to pick up, pick up our story at verse number 42. Now, this is an Old Testament preview of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. I think that is pretty clear to you and, and mine. It's, a, it's an unnamed farmer that shows up. We don't, we don't know this guy. Nobody knows him. I want you to notice there came a man 
from Belshazzar and brought the man of God bread and, and, and said, give to the people. And his servitor said, what, should I set this before a hundred men? And so this servant comes up, serves God. God don't even put his name in the book. Not in the Bible. But you see, there is so many of God's servants, he can't put everybody's name in the Bible. There's so many servants at Hillcrest, we can't put them all on sheets of paper. There's some things that just we just do because we're saved. And so this guy gets under conviction of God and makes this act that provides for his poor preachers. So, first of all, I want you to notice the provision supplied in verse number 42. When there is a famine, one place, there's fruit other places. Y'all got that? Where there is a famine at one place, there is fruit in another place. So this guy comes to a place that's famine. So no doubt he had to come quite a distance. He was very inconvenient. And I hate to hear that today. We want our church just to be real convenient for everything. So we'll have three services in the morning, although we might not have very many, but we're going to just make everybody convenient. Uh, This guy went a long walk to get there because he came from a place that wasn't affected, obviously, by famine. And so uh, when we look through the scriptures, uh, look at the book of Amos, and you might not find it, so just let me read it, okay? Amos chapter 4, verse 7. Listen to what God said. I also have withholden the rain from you when there were yet three months of the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city. Listen to this. I caused it to rain on one city and caused it not to rain on another. Look, look what he said. One piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. In other words, God said, I've got fruit here because of rain, don't it? This place is dry and withered because I didn't rain on it. You see, God God knows when and where and how to judge. And some places got fruit and some places have famine. So there was a provision supplied and we find that in Amos that God does that. And Genesis chapter 8 verse 22, listen to what it says. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. And nothing's going to change in, uh, in our 24-hour days. It's all going to be the same, and God's going to be the same God. He's not going to change. But if we get out of the will of God, we might not have any rain. Now, we're asking God. We sang it this morning. Holy Spirit, rain down. Holy Spirit, rain down. Maybe we didn't sing it this morning, but I can't remember this morning. But anyway, we want God to rain down. We sing it, but do we mean it? You see, there's some churches that's got their lap full of gourds. They've even thrown them in the pot. Smells real good. Looks real good. Thinks everything's going to be all right. But there's no rain, and they wither. Are y'all with me? You see, in Acts 14, verse 16 and 17, he, uh, God gives us some information there that's 
quite interesting, I think. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 14, I'm sorry. Verses 16 and 17. Look what he says. Who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. In other words, he allowed the nations to walk the way they were going to walk. That's what he's doing now. He's allowing, he allowed Europe to start moving away from God. Look where they stand now. Look where they stand now. They're broke. They have no spirituality. They're cold. They're hard. By the way, that's where the, 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 the homosexuality that we see in America rooted there. And then it was spread to us. And God let us do what we wanted to do. But let's, 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 let's read on. Acts 14, verse 16. Nevertheless, he left not himself without a witness. Look, look what that witness was. That he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Folks, I'm telling you, if you'll walk with God the way God wants you to walk with God, he will meet your needs. He will provide everything you need. He'll make sure your little pea patch gets rained on. He'll make sure your fruit tree gets some rain on it. And folks, when this altar dries up and folks is not getting saved, it's something we got to look at something. There's no rain falling. It's gotten dry. Somebody has walked away from God and went their own way. Maybe many somebodies. So we see, first of all, in this provision supplied, where there is a famine in one place, there's fruit in another place. Y'all understand that? Now, let me, let, me, uh, let me give you, an, and by the way, I like some of the, it talks about mercy in the Bible. And for a Christian, when you read Psalm 23, we usually just read it at funerals, you know? That's a good comforting, a great chapter. You can read that for anybody where the lost are saved. You can just read Psalm 23 and, and, and elaborate on Psalm 23 and walk away and never offend anybody. But the thing about it is that last passage said, surely goodness, hey, hey, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, God talked about the rain being goodness. Y'all want goodness at Hillcrest? Do you want goodness? You want, we got to have rain. And I'm talking about spiritually. We've got to let the Holy Ghost rain upon us, do something different in us that hadn't been done in a little while, and start working for Jesus, serving Jesus, loving Jesus, obeying Jesus. And I'll tell you, you say, well, it inconveniences me, and I might miss a little overtime. Listen, I had rather miss a little overtime as to not go God's time. And so here, when there's famine, there's fruit also. Secondly, when there's famine, there's also faithfulness. Just because there's famine doesn't mean there's not somebody that's faithful. I hate to tell y'all folks this, and I wish I didn't have to. But all the judgment that's going to come on America, the rain falls upon the just and the unjust. And so until Jesus raptures us out of this place, and I think that the world's going to get a bit worse before that happens. 
But till he does, the judgment that's coming upon America will affect us. But only way we can live is to know this. Where there is a famine, there is somewhere faithfulness. Look, look, look you can see it in verse 42 of our text tonight. Where there's a famine, there is faithfulness. I mean, we come back in Second Kings and we look at that and we know that all of a sudden in verse number 42, there came a man. When there was famine in this land, there was faithfulness of some man. We don't even know his name, but the Holy Ghost convicted him. And he comes from a idolatrous place. He was a Samaritan, uh, the best we can tell. He, all the people was idol worshipers, but somehow, some way, he had come to trust in Jehovah God, and God had convicted his heart, and he went down there to tell God's preachers and to give God preachers something to eat. God touched his heart. Listen, I don't care where you are, God can touch somebody's heart to come meet your needs. They don't have to know you. They may not know you. I, I, I had a lady, uh, I, I went to the, uh, I, I was at the eye doctor, I believe it was, one of the doctors, I can't remember so many, but I went to a doctor, I was sitting there, and I come out, and she come up to me, and she grabbed me around the neck, and she hugged me, and she put a $100 bill in my hand and kissed me on the cheek. And she said, I just won't tell you, I appreciate your stand." You're the only one she's got you're the only one around here that's doing this. And I said, if I come back next week, will you come and put another hundred dollar bill on? That's not what I said. But it was a sweet lady. And at the moment, I could not recall her name. Later on, I, I think I know who it is. But time changes our appearance, you know. And that lady knew who I was. And she, God, she just did what God told her to do. I said, ma'am, no, I, I really don't need this. I don't want you to do this. You probably need it far worse. She said, God told me to do it. I said, well, God told you to do it. Let's go. <laughs> I don't deprive you of a blessing. <laughs> But, but, you know, those kind of sweet people are sensitive enough for God to know what God wants to do. It wasn't the $100 bill that blessed me. It's what she said that blessed me. It's the fact that she embraced me while there's other people who had a target on my back ready to shoot me. She embraced me and kissed me on the cheek right in front of everybody. And I, then she told me, whispering, that she appreciated the stand that we take over here at Hillcrest and the message that we preach. There's a whole lot of people feels that way, but they're scared to say it. They're scared to say it. And so when there's famine, there's faithfulness. You remember when he couldn't f- feed the 5,000? 5, they was all hungry. The disciples all stirred up. Wasn't a convenience store open nowhere. Remember what happened? Remember what happened? Here's a lad. We don't even know his name. Here's a little boy. A little boy. 
and he's got five loaves and two fish. What? This is all that's here. And how can we feed this great crowd? Jesus said, you let leave that to me. You just bring them to me. And he break it and bless it, break it and bless it, break it and bless it. And when he got through, there was more. That's 5,000 men. It probably may have been 20,000. And all of them had their bellies full. And there was 12 baskets left over, one for every apostle. Isn't that great? So here, the same thing happens. There came a man. You see, you say, well, how do they know to come? They're sensitive to God. Sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit tells them what to do. That's the way I like to give to people. I just like to, you know, I just like for God to say, you need to give that, that guy something. You need to help that guy. And I just do it. You know, I don't have to know him. I don't have to know anything about him. All I need to know is I feel like God lead me to do it. And so I can do that. And you can do it too. Many of you have been sensitive to our needs. And, and, and I, I try my best. If I know there's somebody here that needs, that has a need, that we're sensitive to their needs. And that's exactly how God provides for us because we're willing to provide for somebody else. You see, he come from a place of fruit to a place of famine. He had something to eat. Now, let's look at this. He, I want you to look what he brought. He brought the first fruits. So that shows he wasn't going to keep something that belonged to God. Even if he had to travel and be inconvenienced to take it, he was not going to take something that belonged to God. Now, since he couldn't go to the temple and worship God, he wasn't allowed to do that. And in Samaria, since there was no priest or altars or anything for Jehovah God there, he knew somewhere he'd run across one of those prophets, boys, or maybe mom and daddy, or he'd run across Elisha or Elijah somewhere down the road, and he knew what was going on over there, and he traveled to them from the Samaritan mountains, a rough, rugged trail. And he traveled to them and brought them first fruits. People ask me all the time, how much is a tithe? Is it net or gross? <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, I think the Bible says first fruits, that means first fruits. That's explain that. First fruits means God gets his before anybody else gets theirs. I am committed to give God 10% of everything God gives me. I haven't tithed my expenses. Everything God gives me, I, am, I have committed to tithe. My wife and I have committed to tithe. We've been tithing since the first year we got saved. So my pastor sat me down, said, how much you give? I said, not much. He said, God said for you to tithe. He showed me that. I've been tithing ever since. And how much does God get? First fruit. He said, what about taxes? Hey, the government ought not to get something that belongs to God. He gets the first fruits. And so you commit what you get first, not what you get when it's all left over. Now listen, if you don't only give what if you only gave what you had left over, there wouldn't be much giving going on. Y'all with me? 
Because Uncle Sam gets in many of your pockets before you even see it. But you have to have a commitment that you're going to tithe no matter how much he takes. You say, well, I don't think I can afford to. You can't afford not to. He brought his first fruits. He gave God his best. He gave God his first. Our tithe is first fruits, not leftovers. So don't ask where it's net or growth. Give him first fruits. First fruits. So that's before Sam gets his. You've already committed to, to give God that. So there came a man. He was faithful with first fruits. You say, where, where else is that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Exodus 23.10 says, The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring to the house of the Lord thy God. And then also, on your spare time, go to Deuteronomy 26 and read verse 3 and verse 9 through 11. And then go to Numbers chapter 18, verses 8 through 13. And there you'll find that the priests, they, they couldn't own any land and they couldn't have another job. Their job was to be a priest for God. Well, how are they going to eat? They eat off of what the people brought. The priest really kind of, had a pretty good deal if they lived for God because they got to eat of the best. They got to eat of the best. They offer their sacrifices, the leftovers, they got to eat of the very best of the leftovers. Sometimes leftovers are pretty good, you know. And so uh, God says that he had appointed them as priests and he'd take care of them priests. He went even further. He said, I'll take care of your household. That's pretty good, isn't it? So, I mean, look, I, I, I got to quit because y'all going to leave me. Um, even had he been forbidden entrance in Samaria, the only priests were Baal priests. And he loved God enough he didn't want to offer anything to Baal. So he made sure he did the next best thing. He knew where there was a Jehovah God preacher's school. And he brought it to those men. Um, this is one of those places. Y'all come up close. This is one of those places in the Bible to where you obey the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. You see, it was impossible for him to be able to keep the letter of the law. He was a mixed, he'd been mixed up with foreigners. The Jews hated him. He would have been impossible for him to keep the letter of the law. But isn't it good when you see somebody keep the spirit of the law? You see, he had something written on his heart that a lot of folks don't have. He had the law of God written on his heart. And so, uh, none of us may never know how much God has done with our little giving that we give. You say, my gifts won't go far. Listen, God said about the widow who offered those two mites, the Bible said he is sitting over next to the treasury watching folks come in. They make a big deal. Look here, I'm throwing in a whole lot of money. And they bragged about it, walked off. You know, here comes this poor widow, head tucked down, pitiful, poor, had not hardly anything and she come by and throwed in two mites which doesn't even equal a, let me tell you how much that was a mite 
was one one hundredth of a penny. Zero point zero zero one. That's what it was. But she come. Now the economy wasn't as bad as it is now. She come and threw those in. And Jesus said, listen to what Jesus said. She hath given more than them all. Because it says she even gave her livelihood. She gave up supper that night so she could give to Jesus that day. Isn't that wonderful? Now, look, the provision also is sufficient. Look at verse 43. Gehazi questioned the command of Elisha. I mean, he said, go get some meal. Look at Gehazi. He, 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 he is questioning the command of Elisha. The man of God has real faith. It's not, if he really does have real faith, like Gehazi was supposed to have, it is not quenched by the unbelievers of other people. When somebody else don't believe, you can't let them quench your spirit and say, I'm going to believe. I don't care what you believe. So all of them thought it was kind of crazy. And Gehazi let it affect him. Blind Bartimaeus, you remember when Jesus was walking through Jericho? And blind Bartimaeus was laying there. And he was saying, hey, hey, son of David, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. And the Bible said that even his disciples and all those in the crowd said they pushed him aside. They slid him aside. Said, leave the master alone. Don't bother the master. And you know what the Bible said? He kept on doing it. Have mercy on me. And Jesus heard him. And he stopped that day. And blind Bartimaeus jumped up in Jericho with full sight and walked away. Isn't that great? He said, we got to believe that God can take care of our needs. Sometimes we feel like we only have a little, but our little is a lot if it's the best we have. Y'all with me? So there was provision sufficient. There was prompt provision satisfying. Look in verse 44. I'm just about done. So he set it before them, and they did eat, and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. In other words, they not only eat real good, got their bellies real full, but they had leftovers too. That's why I say it looks real close to Jesus feeding the 5,000. In a real small way here, he feeds these men. But notice what the Bible said. He said, I can't set this before all these guys. He said, man, that, that, he didn't bring enough. He only brought 20 loaves of barley full, you know, and full ears of corn in the husk. And he said, give to the people. He said, what should I set before 100 men? That's not going to feed 100 men, especially hungry preachers. You don't read fried chicken in there nowhere. And so he said, give them to eat. And so the Bible says, that, Jesus, that Elisha, Elisha throwed some meal in the pot and healed that pot. And the Bible says they dip out, they dip out some of that healed soup. In fact, folks, don't you think it must have been really good when it was done by a miracle? Miraculous food. 
So they kept dipping, they kept dipping, they kept dipping. 98 guys came, they kept dipping. 99 came, number 100 said, they can't have enough for me. Number 100 come, they filled his cup. They made second trips, I believe, and they filled their cups, and they filled their cups. Out of one little bowl, one pot. And when they got through, they had some left over. That's our God. He can do exceedingly abundantly all and more than we ask or think. You can't even outthink what God can do. And so there was provisions that was satisfied. I think giving to God is the most economical giving of all. It makes the most sense to give God because the government Makes a lot, it goes a little ways. But God gets a little, and he takes it a long way. (laughs) So I think the most economical thing you can do is to bring the first fruits into the house and to the storehouse, the local church. I'll tell you what, I send some of my tithe to Rod Parsley. Well, quit it. He preaches heresy. Quit it. Well, I send some to Joyce Meyer. Quit it. She ain't even supposed to be preaching. Quit it. You bring your tithe to the storehouse. You say, well, I bring my tithe to church, but I give to them extra. Well, quit it. If you got something extra to give, be sensitive to what God wants you to give it to. Don't give it to a bunch of thieves and crooks. Mm, I shouldn't have said that, should I? But I can tell you this, Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, G, and the psalmist said that I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. God will supply our needs. I can tell you testimony after testimony. So I'm asking you, man of God or woman of God tonight, if you'll just trust God to meet your needs. He said, my job don't pay much. Listen, listen, listen. If you'll obey God, you'll find out how your little will go a long way. Now, you may not have much left over. It may be just enough to take care of it. But God didn't promise to give you a whole bunch. He just promised to meet your needs. He didn't promise you that you could buy a 60-inch screen and put in a four-foot room. But he did promise to meet your needs. You say, well, what if it don't happen? God makes somebody sensitive to your need if you're obedient and walking with God. I've seen him do it. He's done it in our family. I've seen him do it in so many other families. God is a God that gives us our needs met. My God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus our Lord.